This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. You know what I can do with, You know what I can do without I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. The I am tired, I'll tell you that. The uh, <laughs> A lot of calls today. We're, we're trying to grow the network. So tune in to some more great shows on this network, and we can all start making some money. Uh, but now... News, Mike. Let's see if you're interested in any of this news. Sad news to begin. Rip Torn died, 88 years old. One of the greatest names in in Hollywood, Rip Torn. Yeah, I'm not super. I know he's on like the Larry Sanders show or whatever. I'm mostly familiar with him with uh, the movie Freddy Got Fingered, which, in my opinion, is a uh, masterpiece. So I know a lot of people don't share that opinion, but they're all wrong. Yeah, I agree. Actually, uh, I guess shout out to Red Letter Media. They they did a review of Freddy Got Fingered where they they kind of speculate that and they use a lot of really, really good examples from the movie that Tom Green basically, you know, he had a very specific purpose in his mind making the movie. And it's it's basically a hidden genius project. It's a easy movie to watch. Like like I said before, I like movies that are interesting, and this is a definitely an interesting movie. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, R.I.P. Rip Torn, eighty eight years old. I guess that's a fine run. He was in yeah. Men in Black as well, the first Men in Black movie. I think they kicked him out because of I don't know getting into a fight, drinking. He was in Dodgeball too. I hear a lot of stuff about him uh, drinking a lot, so uh, there's that. (laughs) The other thing I saw on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen this, Mike. People are signing up to go to an event to storm Area 51, feeling like they're going to get their hands on some aliens. I haven't talked to RJ or Rachel, our friends from Skeptical Skeptics yet, about it, but... You know, so I don't know if they're going to join. What do you think about these? It's so funny. They they said, the thing on there says, they can't stop us all. And then I saw a meme. There's lots of memes going around about this. I saw a meme of a, a soldier with one of those those mounted like machine guns where it says, this can shoot 30,000 rounds a, a second. <laughs> Pretty sure they can stop you all. Yeah, I mean, if if as many people who say they're going were actually to go, they wouldn't be able to stop them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's probably gonna be like, uh, you know, holding up protest signs. Yeah, exactly. They have, they have, they. I think there's something like a million people that say they're gonna go. And sure, they they couldn't stop a million people, but the whole thing is so dumb to me. People think they're gonna find aliens in there. Let me tell you, if aliens have visited Earth. And if the U.S. government has aliens from alien autopsies or whatever, they're not at Area 51. Not, not now that they, maybe they used to be, but not now that everyone thinks that they're there. They're not there anymore. 
Yeah, I don't really think we have aliens that have landed on the Earth, um, mm. in spite of what the uh, the guy from Blink-182 says. <laughs> exactly. Well, if there's ever a source that you could trust, it's Blink-182. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, this was interesting, too. I guess since we talk about... Since we talk about Netflix and, and things like that, 13 Reasons Why has decided to edit the suicide scene from main character Hannah Baker two years after it's aired when no one's talking about this anymore. I'm wondering why they decided to do that now that everyone's seen it. Maybe because no one's talking about it anymore? Yeah, it could be. Or maybe they got like a heartfelt letter or something. Or I don't really know. I don't really care about 13 Reasons Why. I've I haven't watched it. I have no intention to. Um, I think it's for, like, children and women, so it's not something I'm going to watch. <laughs> no, at my office, like, all the, the ladies there were just, like, talking nonstop about 13. It just doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. I watched it with my wife. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I deserve that. Uh, but, yeah. Yes, you do, Mark. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like... Like I said, they, they, they got a lot of flack for this over the last two years Netflix did for kind of... And this doesn't fix the problem, in my opinion. The whole plot of the show is she killed herself before the show starts, and then a lot of it's told in flashbacks because she sends a tape to each person that she thinks is sort of what, you know, that played a role in why she killed herself. And I think that's the most damaging part about it is it's like a, a revenge fantasy for your suicide which you know teenagers are impressionable and I, I don't I haven't read anything I don't think there's actually been some sort of rise in the suicide rates of teens since this show came out or anything like that but that's the uh the the, the thing I have the biggest problem with it is they did a season two that <laughs> that's my biggest problem it's based on a book there's only one book, and it told its story very concisely in the one season, but they had to go for the cash grab, and they had to do a season two. So that's my biggest gripe about it, is that they they extended it beyond what they had for content. Yeah, it just doesn't interest me in the slightest. I don't care. Do you care about Taka Watiti coming back for Thor 4? I don't know who that is, so no. I wrote that down, and I said Mike will not care. <laughs> next to next to my note, Taika Waititi he directed Thor Ragnarok, and oh, he directed uh, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you are you happy about it now? No, I didn't see that. Have you ever seen a movie called What We Do in the Shadows? I've heard the name, but I don't know what it's about now. It's about a group of vampires living in the modern day, and it's sort of an improv comedy movie. It's very funny. I think you'd actually like it a lot. Taika Waititi directed, wrote and directed that. That's kind of where he got his start. See, I thought all the Marvel movies were made by people who had uh, head injuries, so maybe that's uh, not the case with this guy. <laughs> no, he is. he stands out for sure. Probably him and James Gunn are the two that stand out as sort of unique people from the outside that they brought in. But Thor Ragnarok, I thought, was funny. It was definitely a funny movie. And I, I just I can't believe they're doing a fourth Thor movie. What else 
do you have to say about Thor? I, I do not care. Maybe they'll explain his Australian accent in this one. Yeah, exactly. Why? Yeah, why he speaks with an Australian accent despite being Norse, but also a god from space. Oh, are they from space in these movies? Yeah, they they live on some. They live in some other planet or something. I don't know. Huh. There's something about realms. I, I don't know. What is this that I wrote down here, Mike? I don't know. Yeah, you you can see it. Oh, oh yeah. Did you ever watch Rocco's Modern Life? No, I think that was like a weird like space where it was like I was too old to watch it, and like my kids weren't old enough, or maybe haven't even been born yet to watch it. I know it's like some I don't know, is it an aardvark or some weird animal like that? Yeah, I have no idea because I'm in the same boat as you. I was too old to remember it, but my kids were not yet born to see it. So, are they doing a shot by shot remake? Well, they're doing some sort of special that's coming to Netflix. Okay. So if we have some people younger than us in the audience, which I doubt, <laughs> uh, you can you can check that out on Netflix. Coming soon. Last story I've got today is a, a Seinfeld actor found dead in Oregon, Charles Levin. He, oh, I saw that. I'm not sure. I, I'm not a big Seinfeld fan. Um, I know you are. Um, but I, I wasn't sure who he was on there. He was, um, oh, what was his, what was his, I can't remember his character's name, but he was on the episode, I think he does the Briss. I think he was the rabbi that does the Briss, if I remember correctly. Because they're going to be godparents to a, no, I can't remember. It's the one with the god where, that's right, it was the Christian couple, and they wanted to make Jerry the godfather and he kept doing those Godfather, uh, those things. But no, yeah, no, it is, I guess, do they, I guess Jewish people call them Godmother and Godfather too, I guess. I don't know. I don't know much about Jewish know. culture. But yeah, he, I think he was the, the rabbi that performed the bris. That's my, that, that's my recollection of him. In the, this picture of him that they show, you know, before his death, looked like he lost a lot of weight from when he was on Seinfeld. I mean, not as much as he's going to lose now that he's dead, but still. Yeah, that's a real uh, that's a real weight loss secret. Right. He was also on L.A. Law, I guess. He went uh, lit- missing last week, and they have found him, you know, dead. Unfortunately, they think at least they think it's him. And he- yeah, I think I read that this person's like dog was dead in the car as well. So I don't know if like the dog just like starved to death or what? I didn't really want to detail about that. Yeah, Boo Bear is, was the name of his pug fo- uh, found in the vehicle. So, huh. I don't I don't know. No one knows exactly why or what happened. It doesn't look like it's foul play based on what I'm reading. It looks, I don't know if it's drugs, if he killed himself or, or what. I don't know. Maybe he was like uh, had like dementia or something like that, and kind of just wandered off. It is definitely possible. He was uh, seventy, so R.I.P. Uh, Charles uh, Levin or Levine. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce your name, sir. And you can't tell me now, so <laughs> rest in peace. What it's worth, Mark kind of remembers you from Seinfeld. He thinks. Yeah, 
I think you perform the prayers. So it, d- d- during Dios de Muerta, or whatever it's called, I'll light a candle for you as the guy that performed the bris. And if that's not you, then I'm sorry. I, you'll be alive in your family's memory, and you'll be able to live in the afterlife, or I don't know, whatever they believe. Uh, not your religion anyway, so probably hey. won't affect you. <laughs> anyway, so now we'll move on to educating Mike. Mike, are you familiar with a 1981 film called Under the Rainbow? Uh, no, I am not. Wait, I, no, that's not the one about voodoo, is it, by Wes Craven? No, no. This movie stars Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher huh. right in between when she was doing Star Wars, too, which is, is kind of interesting. And this movie is about a visiting dig- dignitary, a CIA agent, a Nazi spy, Japanese tourists, an assassin, and a group of midget actors from The Wizard of Oz. Jeez. Yeah, this movie is ostensibly about the casting of the munchkins in The Wizard of Oz. So there's like 150 midgets in this movie that are staying... I don't at- think you're allowed to say that anymore. <clears throat> well, little people, I guess. I don't know. I guess. They- Half-man? <laughs> They they check into this hotel in Los Angeles to audition for this role. This takes place in 1938, and all these other people are uh, are in the the hotel as well for various reasons. Now, the plot of this movie is I mean, this plot. The plot of this movie is Tolstoy like. I'm not going to read the entire thing. It is the longest what? plot summary. I have ever seen on Wikipedia. My God. So I give it the gist. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to kind of uh, go with an overall, an overall thing for it. So, like I said, it takes place in 1938. The Great Depression's going on, and <laughs> I like the way they 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 frame this though. Diminutive. Rolo Sweet uh, enters a barn and asks the mail clerk whether anything came for him. He says if he doesn't get an offer from Hollywood with bus fare to California, he'll mail themsel- himself there if he has to. <laughs> so he's sort of one of the, the stars, uh, a little person. And so Annie, or Carrie Fisher plays Annie Clark, who uh, is works for... Louis B. Mayer, I guess, or or Louis, and she's one of she's one of the people like hired to wrangle all these little people <laughs> at the hotel. But it's one of the, this thing is one of the most like exploitative films I have ever seen in my life. There's so there is so much in here. This it is so dense. So there, there's a bus, uh, and on the side of the bus, there's it says Japs in all in all big letters, but it stands for Japanese Amateur Photography Society. Was that uh, Chevy Chase's idea? So this it's just crazy. According to the movie review from the New York Times. 
back in 1981 when this actually came out. It says, The makers of Under the Rainbow have taken a strange idea and run with it, making it a good deal stranger. (laughs) The year is 1938, The Wizard of Oz is about to be made, and a movie studio is auditioning munchkins, so 150 midgets are holed up at the Culver City Hotel, preparing to don winged monkey outfits and start swinging from the chandeliers. This would be plot enough for any movie, but it's about one-tenth of what goes on in Under the Rainbow, which has enough story angles to make your head spin. The bizarre aspect of the movie is hardly the presence of the would-be munchkins. If anything, they seem the sanest people around. Also on hand are a perky talent scout in charge of auditioning them, Carrie Fisher, a Secret Service agent with an eye for the talent scout, Chevy Chase, the elderly European aristocrats the agent is guarding, Eve Arden and Joseph Mayer, uh, 25 Japanese photographers in white suits, one Japanese spy in a white suit, and a tiny German agent, Billy Barty, <laughs> in charge of locating the right Japanese. <laughs> There's plenty more going on, too. All all in this same wild, wildly fanciful vein. So it's supposed to be a black comedy. It is... It's insane, this movie. But I wanted to read you some of the parents' guide to it. Sex and nudity. A midget cuts off Annie's clothing and she ends up wearing only her underwear for a portion of the film. So that's a young Carrie Fisher. There is a scene when Annie is wearing only her underwear and is trapped inside a freezer with Bruce. The scene fades out with the freezer light being turned off while Bruce holds and kisses Annie. There is a scene near the end with midgets running through a dressing room where many women are seen wearing underwear only. The midgets then proceed to a showering area where some nudity is present. A few occurrences where midgets touch women's breasts... There is a scene when Bruce is lying on top of Annie on her bed. She asks if he has a gun, uh, if if it is his gun that she feels pressed against her, but it is implied that it is, it is his penis when he remarks that the gun is in a shoulder holster. What? Here are the only two things under violence and gore. I love this. Several men are accidentally killed and their bodies are stored in a freezer. Jeez. Accidentally killed. And then several dogs die. <laughs> oh my god. Profanity. Mild profanity. At least one use of son of a bitch. Drugs and alcohol. One character is shown drinking from a flask on multiple occasions. Scandalous. There is a party scene with wine consumption. One character always has a cigar in his mouth. And that is it for the parents' guide. I'll tell you... If you ever want a good laugh, check out this film, though. It, it's, it is wild. So, sounds, sounds pretty nuts. So that is Under the Rainbow. Now we will move on to another regular feature of our show, which is Keeping Current with Mike. Mike, uh, where are we going today to find our gossip? Oh, no. What? All right, um, I went to TeamZeke.com because I couldn't think of anything. Okay. And the, and the first headline is uh, Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens dead at 99. Oh, wow. Yeah, this story just came in at 5.36 uh, p.m. Pacific time. John Paul Stevens, 99 years old. 
R.I.P. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that old. So that's gonna leave uh, an opening, I suppose. No, he retired in. 2010. Oh yeah, that's that's right. He retired. Yeah, so that's a good thing, I guess, in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for him. He lived a, lived a long life, you know, ninety nine years. Ninety nine's not bad. No, I mean, Nom- <laughs> nominated by Richard Nixon. Uh, quite a fair uh, justice, from my recollection, on his rulings. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, it's not. I mean, it's always sad in a way when someone dies, but when you're 99 and you were a Supreme Court justice, you probably had a pretty decent life. Oh yeah, for sure. Our next headline is okay. I can kind of decipher the first part. R H O B H, which I think is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Okay, I'll go with you on that. Reunion, LVP's absence, Charlie Sheen bombshells, all caps, and Nicolette Sheridan T. Okay, I know who Charlie Sheen is. I've heard the name Nicolette Sheridan. Beyond that, I have no idea what's going on in the story. Nicolette Sheridan, yeah, she was in movies in the 80s. She was in Say Anything, I think, Nicolette okay. Sheridan. Uh, if, I, if, I, if I'm thinking of... The right person. She used to be married to Harry Hamlin, and yeah, she okay. She was in, she was in. Say anything. What was the rest of the story? Um, LVP's absence, Charlie Sheen bombshells, and the Nicolette Sheridan T, which is T E A. So I, I don't know. Although it looks like Denise Richards in this, so maybe she's talking about Charlie Sheen. Um, my guess is she's saying he wasn't a great husband. Yeah, that's probably true. LVP is apparently Lisa Vanderpump. Oh, okay, that would make sense because it says in smaller type, the season nine reunion tackled Vanderpump's no-show and Teddy's involvement in Puppygate, no idea, before Denise Richards and Lisa Rinna spilled major secrets. Lisa Rinna, I've heard that name as well. I don't know who it is. She's got big lips and I think, was she married to Harry Hamlin too? I don't know. Man, that that Harry, Harry Hamlin guy fucks. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I don't. Yeah, at least Arena is is somebody, but I, I don't know exactly who she's. I think she was on one of those those gossip shows or something like that. Let's see if I can figure out what Puppygate is. <laughs> Puppygate. Every question answered about R H O B H's season nine scandal. The scandal over the dog that Dorit Kemsley. <laughs> Is it worth it to have so much money if your name is Dorit Kemsley? No. Gave away has fractured Lisa Vanderpump's friendships with her co-stars. Uh, it's the storyline dominating the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills' ninth season, causing a war between some of the biggest stars in the hit Bravo franchise. But what exactly is Puppygate anyway? Here are all your burning questions answered. I, I don't want to read this entire thing. Just Remember that uh, puppy gate we had at our high school? Yeah, exactly. When the uh, when the kid took all the LSD and uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. That was what that, a, that was what, a, what a character that guy was. <laughs> Those dogs were never the same. They never walked right again after that. No. <laughs> so or bre- or had another breath. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's see, Teddy Mellencamp. Erovive? So someone is that someone I thought Mellencamp was about small towns. Teddy Mellencamp's gotta be John Mellencamp's wife or something. 
Does he live in uh, Beverly Hills? I have no idea. What a phony. <laughs> Kyle Richards, that's somebody, an employee, John Blizzard. Lucy Lucy Apple Juice. What? Lucy Lucy Apple Juice, or Lucy for short, that's the name of the innocent puppy who is at the center of all this mess. I guess, okay, so somebody gave this dog away? And was it her dog? I, I don't understand. Okay, wait a second. Uh, okay, so well in of whatever, season's nine premiere, we learned that before the camera started rolling on the season, Kemsley adopted Lucy from Vanderpump's foundation. Okay, so this person donated a dog from her foundation. Though Kemsley called Lucy a beautiful, adorable puppy, Lucy was not the right fit, quote, for Kemsley's family after she bit husband Paul and their two kids, son Jagger 4 and daughter Phoenix 3, quote, a few times. So Kemsley found a beautiful home for Lucy and gave the dog away. Those are the worst fucking names for kids I've ever heard in my entire life. I know. That's child abuse right there. That dog. Yeah, no shit. The no. dog was just uh, putting them out of their misery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Lucy's new owner also didn't want the dog and gave Lucy to a shelter. <laughs> that shelter scanned Lucy's microchip, which tracked it back to Vanderpump Dogs. So I guess it's bad for her image. Or I don't. I know. guess they're upset because they put a dog that was biting people into a shelter eventually, which wasn't directly their fault from what you've just said. Yeah, exactly. So most of this seems very dumb. Yeah, so basically uh, someone's upset that their uh, violent dog was uh, sent away. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> That's a good story right there. Okay, so you don't have to watch season nine of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We just figured it out for you. Yeah, and uh, the Charlie uh, Sheen bombshell probably is uh, that he gave people AIDS. Yeah, probably a lot of people AIDS. Probably. But I hear he's okay now because he's using holistic means to, uh, he's eating wheatgrass or something and it kills AIDS. Ask uh, Steve Jobs how that worked out for him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is messed up because I think with Steve Jobs, they actually detected his, like, I think it was pancreatic cancer. They detected it, like, super early and they actually had, like, a decent chance of you know, making a dent in it, which is very rare and difficult. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, exercise my chakras instead or something like that. Exactly. Good good choice. Take the wait and see attitude that worked out for Jim Henson. <laughs> Probably not. Ugh. All right, now that we're uh, making fun of people with cancer, uh, we're going to move on to the next part. Okay. Uh, the next story is uh, Debrat defends Jermaine Dupree. Strippers rapping is necessary combo. Now, I'm surprised that this story is from 2019 and not uh, 1994. <laughs> no kidding. Because uh, I, I don't think I've heard the name Debrat in like 10 years. Yeah, that's... that. She was she was part of Salt... or She had an affiliation with Salt and Pepper, right? No. Oh, I thought she did. I think she was affiliated with Jermaine Dupree, who infamously uh, was the brains behind crisscross and uh, he did some of his own stuff too uh, mm-hmm. he's pretty he's like this little little tiny guy who like wears like looney tune shirts all the time <laughs> yep but i mean I, I think if you if i had a cd which was the only format it's in cd or cassette of uh debrat and i was holding it in front of my face and i saw debrat right next to it i would not recognize her that's how little i've seen debrat yeah i, I agree but, 
I, I think I remember Young, Rich, and Dangerous. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think uh, so. Basically, Jermaine Dupree said that strippers, like female rappers, probably Cardi B specifically, are are like uh, strippers rapping, which she literally is a stripper who is now a rapper. So how that's controversy or controversial? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really get that either. But that's it's interesting. That's an interesting take. Yeah, but he's claiming that it's a necessary conversation that he deliberately did this to, you know, to start a conversation about, you know, women's place in rap, etc. I don't know. I don't really care about uh, Jermaine Dupree or uh, DeBron. Yeah, well, rap has such a, a a long history of being completely fair to women that uh, I'm sure they have no problems in that community. Right. DeBron. Um, God. Yeah, our next see that's one of those. Did I explain this to you, or was it somebody else? Where I'm like, how do they? How do they? I think it was you. How do they survive? How is Debrat so like? How is she not working at like a Seven Eleven or something? I, mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, this Coolio is the biggest example. He had like two hit songs like 30 years ago, and he still every so often pops up on like you know TV shows. Like if they have like a game show and the last guy canceled, Coolio will be on you know deck. <laughs> I've got to admit, speaking engagements, I guess, I don't know. DeBrat will come to your school for a small fee. I don't know, maybe. Maybe <laughs> she's like a record exec or something, I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows. She's probably been working on an album for the last 15 years. Yeah, she's hard at work. Uh, okay, this next headline is completely baffling to me. I, I, I don't really know what's going on. It says, X on the Beach, recap, everything O'Day said about Trump Jr. before Big Brother Love Triangle. Um, X on the beach. I don't know if that's a show, Let's but it's, I, I, I kind of think I know a little bit. This O'Day person, I think she was on The Apprentice, and there's like a picture of her with Donald Trump uh, Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they dated. I don't really know. Apparently, it says yeah. Go ahead. She talked about her dry spell since dating Paulie D, which I know he's a guy from like the Jersey Shore or something. Yeah. By the way, if you ever want to see something hilarious, look at the uh, Eric Andre show clip of Paul E.D. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. All right, I will definitely check that out. Apparently, X on the Beach was is based on a British TV series, but this is the American version. That It's on MTV. Uh, X on the Beach is the American version of the British reality television show of the same name. <clears throat> the show was announced on March 15, 2018, premiered on MTV on uh, April 19th. And it features cast members from various reality television shows living together with their exes. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. The show features cast members from Are You the One? Never heard of it. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bad Girls Club, Big Brother, Catching Kelsey? What is that? The Challenge, Fire Island. The Real World, Survivor, Teen Mom, Vanderpump Rules. Hey, Vanderpump has something else, too. And what happens at the Abbey? Okay. What is this? Oh, oh, that's interesting. So, Travis uh, Kelsey, or however he pronounces his name, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess he... It was part of a reality television show where people were trying to marry him? That's what I'm going to guess that show is. Catching Kelsey. 
Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, anyway, so that's what the show is. And, and what are they doing on this? Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't so, know. Something about Trump. On. Yeah, Trump's been in reality TV, so every reality TV star that's ever met him has a story about him, which is cool. Good for him. Oh, my God, this picture of Audrey Aubrey O'Day. <laughs> she looks horrifying. Oh, my God. She looks like one of those real dolls. Oh, no. <laughs> she her lips are like incredibly inflated and just, she, you know, she looks fake. That's funny. Looks like and Tara Reid on a good day, I guess. Jeez. Like Tara uh, Reid if she didn't get picked up for Sharknado. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Anything else with uh, wherever we're at? Yeah, this next story is right in our wheelhouse. All right. Uh, do you know who ASAP Rocky is? He's a uh, rapper. No. His human rights are being violated by Swedish officials who have been holding the rapper in jail for nearly two weeks. So says members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Now, there's a lot of fun in this story. First of all, fuck the Swedes because fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Apparently what happened is they're, tra- they're trying to charge him with aggravated assault. Like, uh, he and, like, some of his, like, friends or whatever were like being picked on and so like they like you know fought back i guess mm-hmm. and so you know sweden being a bunch of uh shit-faced douchebags uh decides to just hold them you know in jail for two weeks um another funny part about this is uh the people that the people that are paying to i mean there's a lot of people actually talking about this but just the congressional black caucus there's a there's something that happened with the congressional black caucus a few years ago that sounds like a racist joke Okay, what is it? Like, a few years ago, um, I don't know if you noticed, they used to have all these, like, different, like, flavored, like, cigarettes. Like, they were, like, clove cigarettes. They don't really sell those anymore. And I think, I think the uh, the reason they cite is that, um, you know, like, kids like the flavored, it's, like, almost like candy-type cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to also... <laughs> Again, this sounds like a joke. They're also trying to ban uh, menthol cigarettes at that time, but the uh, Congressional Black Caucus stepped up and said not to do that. <laughs> Because it, would, because it would unduly affect, you know, African-Americans. <laughs> now, now, I used to smoke menthol cigarettes uh, back when I smoked uh, Newport's, you know, uh, number one. So I feel as if I can talk about this as well. But <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. They're not wrong. They are they are not wrong. Black people yeah, that, that's, love their I don't, cigarettes. I don't get that either. Like I used to work at like a like a gas station, you know, years and years ago, and without fault. And I I don't understand it. Like every black person that bought cigarettes, it was either like Newports or Cools. It was always menthol. I, I don't understand that. I don't I don't get it either. I don't know if it's maybe they. Well, it, it's weird because it's not it's not something that would be based on race, you know. Yeah, I, I, I legitimately don't get it. Like, there's even, like, a, on the Chappelle show, they had a sketch called I Know Black People. I know black people. Why do black people love menthols so much? I don't, I don't know. Uh, that is correct. <laughs> no one knows. It's just a weird thing that I don't understand it, but it's just, uh, it's just funny that even, like, the black... Caucus decided to step in. They're like, "Oh no, no, no!" I wonder if this guy. I wonder if this guy like thousands of calls. <laughs> oh yeah, they <laughs> calls flooded into Congress. Uh, you know, but so this says in July 2019, he uh, Aesop Rocky, yeah, that's his name, Aesop Rocky, was arrested 
in sweet or was arrested arrested for aggravated assault, like you said, later charged to just assault, so no aggravation, I guess, in Stockholm, Sweden, after a concert after he and his entourage were involved in a brawl on June 30th. The victim was beaten, kicked, and cut with broken bottles, went down on the ground. The victim was taken they keep calling it, you know, that's that's slanted too, Sweden, you fucking Nordic bastards. The victim was taken by ambulance to a hospital where he required stitches. Okay. Uh, Aesop Rocky's bodyguards also filed a counter complaint. Aesop Rocky's ongoing tour was put on hiatus for the trial. As it was judged, there is a risk that he flees or tampers with evidence. He may be kept in custody until August. What? Come on. He, he, everyone, well, not everyone, but he's a well-known person. Where is he going to flee and tamper with evidence? That's racist right there. Sweden. He was visited by personnel from the U.S. Embassy shortly after his arrest. Some other artists have called for a boycott of Sweden due to the incident. Yeah, what? If you're if you're a rapper, why go to Sweden anyway? What are we gonna boycott from Sweden anyways? They don't make anything. They don't really do shit. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Watch out! Uh, certain types of chocolate are uh, not gonna be uh, bought in the United States anymore. That's Switzerland. Well, see, even that. <laughs> they don't even. What do you think? Like you think we want your fucking pickled herring? Yeah. Get out of here. There you go. A petition to release him has also been started. Uh, he has denied rumors about in. Well, it says he's denied rumors about inhumane conditions, so that's good. He's he's not in inhumane conditions, according to him. The allegedly inedible food includes turkey, veal, and rhubarb pie with custard. I think the inedible food is just their food. Yeah, exactly. It's it's unfortunate because you're in Sweden. It's like a reindeer's nutsack is what they serve over there. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I guess uh, we'll stay strong for Aesop Rocky. I am fully on his side on this one. I don't even need to know the facts of the case. All, All I, I know, know is Sweden yeah. must be wrong. Exactly. All I know is it's Sweden. So you know what we think of Scandinavia, but our our friends in the Netherlands. Shout yeah, out that's to a good, yeah. We, uh, shout out to our friends. And you know, really, when you think about it, uh, as we determined last time. The people of the Netherlands are the most northern people in Europe that have to deal with these fuckers from Scandinavia. So thank you to all of you in the Netherlands for uh, you know being the wall between uh, the ridiculous invasion of whatever the fuck they do in Scandinavia infecting the rest of the world. Exactly. They are they are the dam against Sweden spilling out over the rest of Europe. And, and or, or really, since we're talking about Netherlands, we could say they're the dike. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Oh, so. Are we are we done with with that? Oh, we're done. <laughs> I think that's a good one to end on. So now we will move on to our parents' guide game. We did have a winner last time, by the way. Richie uh, correctly identified the movie as Die Hard. So Richie, uh, you are the first prize winner. Uh, maybe some of you other people want to go on Twitter and 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 give a guess at the movie. You fucks. Right. No offense, but fuck are you, you. Are you a bunch of fucking Swedes? Come on. Yeah, exactly. If, if you don't uh, start tweeting at us when I post these uh, these contests, then we're going to think that you are in line with the Scandinavians. Right. Which, again, we must uh, agree that Dolph Lundgren is an exception. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren is the exception, of course. He he did the right thing. He moved out of there. Yep. He, he, he knew... That you know, it, he it was an unfortunate incident that he was born there, but 
He identified early on that he needed to get out of that place. Yeah, he, he'd rather pretend to be a Russian than fucking live in Sweden. Absolutely. During the height of the Cold War. Yeah. Oh, what, what should I? What would I rather be in 1985? Uh, <laughs> would I rather be a Swede or a fucking Russian that cheats at boxing? Yeah, I need some sympathy, uh, you know, because because I don't want people thinking I'm a Swede. So yeah, I'm gonna I play a, a communist that juices. I don't think I don't want anyone to think I'm a complete piece of shit. So I'll play a guy that killed somebody in the ring and showed no remorse whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. All of that is better than being Scandinavian. Exactly. Uh, all right. So Parents Guide game. Uh, Mike, you can you can go first this week. I think I started last week. I have no idea, but I'll go first. Here we go. A couple is attacked in their home by a bulldozer. They survive. Hmm. Freddy got fingered? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I think it's a wrecking ball that goes to that house. Uh, it is. All right. So, first one on here. Hmm. Under profanity. Some slurs for Koreans, Vietnamese, and Mexicans are heard in the beginning. Um. Let's see. Is this a super bad... Nope, not super. I'm just kidding. I know. Um, shit. I think it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Is it Reservoir Dogs? Nope. That's fair. Okay, next one for me. I was really close, wasn't I? (laughs) You know what? I I fucking know what it is. It's Pulp Fiction. (laughs) It is. How the fuck did you get pulled? I mean, <laughs> I guess it. I guess it just goes to show what kind of movies Quentin Tarantino makes when the only thing you need is slurs for Koreans, Vietnamese, and Mexicans are heard at the beginning. Can I tell you something? Yeah. My second movie that I have on deck is also Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if we were ever going to do the same one. No, if I had done it in the opposite order, we would be at the same movie. Oh my god, that would have been hilarious. Yeah, but I'm going to have to switch that one over. But yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah, you got uh, it. Let's see. Violence and mayhem throughout. Sometimes blood. Okay, sometimes blood and a bulldozer coming through somebody's house. Let's see bulldozing through the house I'm gonna guess well it's not Pulp Fiction Uh, (laughs) it almost was Overboard (laughs) no I've never seen that okay let's see let's try to be a little more specific here the main character decapitates someone with a sword and we see the head burning in the fireplace but only for a few seconds wow decapitate someone with a sword I mean, that sounds like Kill Bill, but I don't think you'd do two Tarantino films. No, it's it's not Kill Bill. Um, let's see. This one, it could probably give it away. A woman is killed when her elevating chair malfunctions and catapults her out of a window. All right, there we, we go. We see her legs sticking out of the ground after she is flattened on the Gremlins. <laughs> yes. Good one. Yeah, yeah. I remember the bulldozer scene now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite remember that, but the obviously the chair is like a big, you know, part of that movie. So uh, you should go first because I have to find another movie. Okay. So uh, this is, let's see. Now, see, 
Oh, I don't want to say anything, but it might be. Okay, I'll just do profanity first. One use of hell, eight uses of fuck, two uses of bitch, one use of oh god, two uses of oh my god, <laughs> three uses of god damn it, one use of shit, one use of oh Christ, one use of bullshit, two uses of God, five uses of son of a bitch, six uses of fucking, and one use of goddamn. I have no idea. Um, I can't even guess. I, I, I just don't. Somebody went through the movie and counted all those fucking things. It's so yeah, crazy. Some of these have some like so many of these have character names or actors names that I'm gonna remove, but uh, right. I can't do that one. The movie is very violent. It is graphic and unflinching in its depiction of violent acts. There are many shootouts, fights, and tens of people are killed. <laughs> I love that build up and then they're like and tens of people are killed. It sounds so small. Huh. Yeah, that uh that doesn't help much more, but it, it, it sounds familiar. Is it Death Wish 3? Nope. That's fair. I might do that one one day though. I would probably guess that one very quickly. Although you did Death Wish 1, I think, at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I think that was one of the first ones I did. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it's hard to rem- sometimes it's hard to figure out a movie that you've seen that I know you've seen. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. Same with you. I'm like half half time. I'm like, eh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I kind of figure you would know. I mean, so far I haven't missed that one, so that's yeah. All right, graphic footage of a surgery is shown on a television briefly. It shows doctors moving intestines around and speaking of removing a tumor. Hmm. Okay. Well, I had a guess for a second, but then that changes. I was I was thinking saw, but then when you got more specific, I'm I'm pretty sure that doesn't. Well, maybe no, no, because that's not the kind of cancer he had. I don't think. So, I don't know. I'll just guess saw. It's not saw. And okay. in fact, this is actually. A, I'm pretty sure you've seen this movie, but there's a slight chance you haven't. In fact, I might have seen this with you in the theater, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, a man is knocked over from the force of an explosion caused by an exploding petrol can. Hmm. Predator? No. That'd be another good one to do someday, too, though. Yeah. Let's see. Um, one of the characters is seen drinking wild turkey whiskey. Hmm. Okay. Popular brand. Stephen King references it several times in books. Uh, whiskey, and there's a surgery. And we might have seen it in the theater, which gives me kind of a a clue to the era. I could be wrong on that, though. Let's see. I will say... Escape from L.A. No, I haven't seen that, actually. We saw it together in the theater. (laughs) I don't think so. I think I saw it on uh, like on DVD or VHS at that time once, and it was not very good. Maybe maybe we did. I don't remember it at all. Maybe it was just me and Colin. I thought you were there for some reason. I don't know. Um, one of the characters intoxicated from whiskey. This is the same character that drank the wild turkey whiskey. Takes out his pants, exposing his ass, slaps and wiggles it, taunting another character. After the other character says "fuck you" to the character that drank the whiskey. 
Hmm. <laughs> that seems so specific, but it's not ringing any bells. Hmm. Intersection? No. A man looks at various crime scene photos, which contain images of a badly burnt man. Is this the Dark Knight? No. Huh. A female character begins to take a male character's pants off in order to perform oral sex. It happens a couple of times. Once he acquiesces, and another time he just refuses. Wow. <laughs> One time he acquiesces, and the other time he refuses. Huh? Hmm. Hmm. Buffalo 66? No, I, I have not seen that one either. This one might be a better clue. Um, one of the characters puts a gun in his mouth because nothing he tries to do works out right. A man tells him to keep trying, and if it still doesn't work, blow your fucking brains out. Huh. I don't know. Groundhog Day? No, I haven't seen that either, but that's because I hate Bill Murphy. Murray. <laughs> well, Bill Murphy's an asshole, too. Anyone that's listening whose name is Bill Murphy, go fuck yourself. I always thought that'd be funny if I actually like ran into Bill uh, Murray in person. Even though I don't like him, it'd be funny to say, Bill Murphy, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> mm, let's see. It's my my turn, I believe, correct? No, I just guessed. Oh, you just guessed ground on me. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm reading and thinking about Bill Murphy. At this... uh, let's see. When... The main care I think this is the main character, is sleeping one night. There is a book titled Exotic Dancer on his bed with a picture on the cover. The picture is of a woman supposedly naked, but it's hard to see. Huh, I have no idea. Um, Crocodile Lindy. No. This one, I'm not going to give you the full clue, because if, if I give you the second half, I think it's a dead giveaway. Okay. One of the characters falls from the other character's skateboard and screams in agony when he breaks his leg. We see his torn pants and a very bloody exposed bone. Oh, wow. An exposed bone. I mean, I was going to guess airborne because I heard skateboard. <laughs> that, that's a good one. <laughs> but it wouldn't be that. Wait, were they, they were roller rollerblading in that one, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Down oh. the devil's backbone! Is it um, Boogie Nights? No. Damn it. Uh, let's see. A homeless man is hunted down by armed men, one of whom has paid money to kill him. Huh, is this really hard target? Yep. I, that's weird. I didn't, uh, the other clues didn't really help. I guess the burning part, I don't remember that from the movie. I think this means I need to rewatch it. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I thought you were going to get it by the uh, list of profanity. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of times when you finally see what it is, like it all kind of falls into place. Like mm -hmm. uh, the worst, the worst was Super Troopers because like everything you said was like I could, I could have easily guessed it from any of the clues. Like my wife said she was like listening and just like just like infuriated because they figure out the fucking. <laughs> oh yeah! As soon as I started reading that clue, I was like, "Ooh, shouldn't have read that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, this one, I think. If you really think about it, this one will probably give it away. Two horses mate. A horse with a cl clearly visible erect penis mounts a willing female. The male then thrusts and humps vigorously. Okay, well, we said it's not Freddy Got Fingered. Is it... 
Ah, 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 ah. We said earlier it wasn't Freddy Got Finger, but then I switched the movie out. <laughs> it is Freddy Got Finger. <laughs> yes, it is now. <laughs> oh, damn it. I, yeah, you're right. We did. I, I, I eliminated that one in my mind because of that. But no, yeah, that makes complete sense. Nice. Oh, nice. So now we will uh, we will give our viewers a chance to to win another prize. Why don't you take it this time? Oh, I uh, I did last. Did we want to reveal what it was last time in case no one saw? Yeah, it was die. It was Die Hard. Rich Richie yeah, won. Die Hard. Richie won the prize, which is the first place prize. Exactly. Richie gets the first place prize. Yeah, good job. I think the standard thing we do is four clues on this one. I'll say that to uh, ease up some time while the page. Yep. Plus, I can edit stuff too. A man threatens to cut another man in ways that'll make him useless to a woman. Interesting. A man refers to a car as boner-inducing, which is not only a clumsy word, but it's in sex and nudity. How is that sex or nudity? I don't I don't know. He doesn't pull his pants off and then show the exposed boner, does he? <laughs> right. See, a dead woman lies in bed topless. Very brief and not meant to be sexual. Don't you tell me how to interpret things, IMDb, okay? Exactly. When you're a young man and uh, the internet doesn't exist, uh, maybe a dead body is uh, more stimulating than it should be. Yeah, just like in, in what was the name of that movie? Uh, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Oh, I didn't see that. There was a scene where he had sex with uh, a supposedly dead woman in the back of a hearse. Huh. Turns out she was just passed out on drugs. So it was just rape. Yeah, just just rape. <laughs> is that how you're putting it, Mark? Yeah. Just rape? Yeah, it wasn't necrophilia. It was just rape. I'm trying to, these, this is actually this actually would have been a good one to use for you, but I don't know if you've seen this movie. Because the clues are all very vague and they don't have names, so it's kind of hard to find one that's you know a little better for... Mm-hmm. Let's see, I think this one's pretty decent. A woman throws a knife that cuts the top of a man's head off, and a woman with sword steps two men through the head and cuts another man's head off. Wow. Sounds like a good movie. Uh, I, okay, here's another clue that's not on here. The first one is good. The second one I haven't seen, but I've heard it's not that great. And there's only two of them. Okay. So guess that film. And then, uh, you know, if you if you go to at Massive Late Fee Mike or at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, then you can guess. And if you get it right, you're the first one, win a prize. So hurry up and do it. I'll, I'll post a video you know, with the, the clues and you can, you can post it under there. You can just add us on Twitter. The uh, first prize is a signed picture of Dick York or Dick Sargent. Your choice. Exactly. You can also do it on Facebook if you want to send, send them, go to our Facebook page, Massive Late Fee and, and uh, write a, well, yeah, you can write a post on there. So write a post on there, do that. Yep. And I was kidding about the prize and not sending anyone anything. So now we are going to do a quick promo for a show on the network. It's a good show, and I've been really busy. I don't, I don't remember, and I didn't look up this week what it's going to be. But that show that that's gonna you're going to hear the promo for is just one of the best shows on the network for sure. And check it out. So here, uh, listen to this. 
Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Carol. And we're the hosts of Retro Late Fee. We are stuck in 1994. And we can't get out! <laughs> we're watching all the movies and TV shows that you probably remember, I guess. Somehow we're speaking to you through some kind of time portal. Right. Uh, join us every week for great movies and TV shows from 25 years ago. <laughs> it's fun, I swear. All right, well, that was that show, and they do just the best job. You like that show, right, Mike? Yep. <laughs> All right, so for our main topic tonight, we're we're trying something new. We're doing something a little bit different. Mike and I will still talk about things that we've both seen, you know, occasionally when when there's something we both want to see, but we figured... To give you more content and just to make the show that much better for you, what we would do is we would talk about stuff that that we've watched, kind of like the what we're watching segment that we used to do, but just sort of an extended version. So, uh, Mike, tell us what you saw this week. Uh, what I've seen recently, not necessarily this week, but um, I, I recently watched... Um, well, actually, this week I did watch the, uh, it's an old episode, or rather an old movie of Futurama called uh, Bender's Game. It's a take, obviously the name's a take on the movie slash book uh, Ender's Game, and it's a lot of Dungeons and Dragons type stuff in there, and uh, it's very loosely based on like the Lord of the Rings plot line. It was pretty good, I, I liked it. It was on, uh, I, I, we have Hulu because my wife really likes the movie, the show The Shield. Okay. So we got that, and then there's a lot of stuff on there I like as well. Like uh, I like Futurama a lot. That's one of my favorite shows, and like every episode's on there. So I'm kind of going through them, you know, bit by bit. But I actually was watching originally the movie. I'll, the thing I'll talk about next. But uh, what, what have you been watching? So I one of the things I watched was The Founder, which is a movie about Ray Kroc. And yeah, I've seen I've seen that. That's a really good movie. Yeah, I I, I started watching it at around three o'clock in the morning one night a lot of times i'll turn something on to go to bed and i just i saw it on netflix and i said you know oh, i've been meaning to watch this movie for a long time i'll turn it on and then you know i'll fall asleep and i'll watch the rest of it later now i stayed up for the whole thing it really grabbed me from from the beginning uh basically it's about ray Kroc and the mcdonald's brothers and uh, where he was kind of at in his life when he decided to, you know, go and meet the McDonald's brothers and how his association with them came about and how he basically, you know, took over the McDonald's corporation. Um, it's a fantastic movie. Michael Keaton is great in it. Yeah, he's really good. Um, what's his name? John Les, the guy who plays uh, one of the Croc. He's he's a he's a he's a character actor in a lot of stuff. He was in the movie Zodiac. Yeah. It was Drew's brother on uh, the Drew Carey show. Yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was, yeah, he's excellent in the movie. Nick Offerman's good in the movie, too. The, they're both, the McDonald's brothers, they're, they're both really good. Yeah, Linda Cardellini plays, like, a love interest, and uh, I'm a fan of uh, the way she looks, so I'll watch anything with her in it. Yeah, I like her, too. She she was on Freaks and Geeks, which is one of my favorite favorite shows that, never really lasted and yeah and then grandma's boy a uh, favorite movie of mine yeah exactly but she's yeah she she's in it she plays a woman that i it's sort of implied that maybe they have an affair but i think in the movie 
in the movie, I think the way that you kind of read it is it's more of an emotional affair between the two of them, and it's clear he's not happy with his his wife and everything. She's sort of just not part of what he's doing, and you know they end up getting married, you know, towards the end of the film. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. It really grabbed my interest, and it's it's a very interesting kind of story in history. I think. Yeah, what I found interesting about the movie is at least uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but as far as I recall, it doesn't really like it's like a straight up biopic, pretty much. Yeah. Like it's not like you would think they'd be like, oh, here's some message against like you know McDonald's corporation, you know, destroying you know nutrition or you know their. I mean, it does. It's a very matter of fact story. I mean, Ray Kroc did essentially take over their uh, company, and then you know, fran- he had the right to f- to do franchising, so he just like basically you know made tons and tons of money off of selling the name. Yep. And really, the system and process, which they show quite a bit of. I was surprised they went that deep into it. Like they showed how they. The Crocs, uh, or not the Crocs, McDonald Brothers, like kind of like tore down their location, which was booming at the time, mm-hmm. and reconfigured it to be even more efficient and faster. It was, I, I, I thought the whole thing was fascinating, but it, it I was, intru- I was kind of surprised that there wasn't like a moral lesson, and I wasn't upset in any means by that. But and Michael Keaton's really good in this movie. Yeah, I was, I was really relieved, like like you said, that there wasn't any kind of moral lesson or, or or moral implication. It's really, like you said, it's a really straightforward story, kind of just lays out the facts, and it, it allows you, and this is something that movies just don't do as much now as they, as they used to, which is unfortunate, but it allows you to think. It allows you to kind of form your own opinions, because on one hand, you know, what Ray Kroc did and how he did it, he, you know, you, you could interpret him as kind of an asshole for, for what he did to the McDonald's brothers. On the other hand, they clearly show that the McDonald's brothers didn't necessarily know what they had and didn't really know how to use it. They knew how to make a lot of money from the location that they themselves ran, but they really didn't know how to expand that. And it was really Ray Kroc's vision that allowed McDonald's to expand and allowed McDonald's to become, you know, an international sensation and one of the more profitable companies in the United States' history. So, you know, even though he kind of did it in somewhat underhanded means, it wouldn't have happened without him. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he could have properly read the contract, had it vetted by an attorney. I mean, not that I'm saying it's right of what he did, but I Mm -hmm. mean... Yeah, it, it is really interesting because it's like the story of like one of the you know most successful corporations in the world, like you said. But what's interesting about that is I've never once ate at McDonald's and like felt satisfied or happy that I did it afterward. I feel nothing but regret. Like every every time I eat there, there's just it's not even food. It's like it's like famine from the uh, Good Omens thing. There's no food in the food. Yeah, no, I I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. I, I I eat certain types of fast food in certain fast food restaurants, but I'm not a fan of McDonald's. Yeah, I, I go there regularly, but I I never enjoy the. I mean, it's convenient. That's essentially what it is, and it's just yep. really kind of like you know, it's like I think it was. I can't remember what I think it was that rich Robert Koyasaki who wrote the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. I think he mm-hmm. made a good point. Like, I mean, you can make a better hamburger than McDonald's. Can't I mean anybody can make a better? It's it's not even a challenge. I mean, there's no issue. Anyone could just buy a lump of meat and throw it on a grill and flip it once, and it's better than any McDonald's hamburger you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. But, but, but people aren't like lining up around the block, you know, like they were at the McDonald's original location in the movie, or even now, like, you know, people are just like, you know, rush, bum rushing to get this like garbage ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
So what's the what's the other thing that you watched this week? Um, it was also on uh, Hulu, and I kind of watched it like kind of slowly because it's like I think it was ten episodes an hour each. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, I, I think I know what your next thing is, and I have a comment on that as well. But okay. uh, it was Fargo season three. Okay, uh, I'm a huge. I didn't really care. The movie is okay. I wasn't like a giant fan of it, but the series, I love the series. Each each season is great. Um, the first season, you know, Billy Bob Thornton was like the main villain, and he was excellent. And the second one, there's like this kind of family of criminals, which you know was amazing as well. I think Kathy Bates was in that one. Maybe not. I don't think it was her at all. Um, but this one, it's it's starring Ewan McGregor, who plays twin brothers, and they're like, they're kind of like competing over like a a stamp that one of the brothers one of the brothers has become like a wealthy like you know um, owner of a, a lot of parking lots. You know, he, he's like a real estate slash parking lot. You know. Mm-hmm. King of Minnesota. The other brother is a, a parole a parole officer who happens to be dating one of his uh, you know his own um, parolees. I guess would be the word. Like you know, a, okay. an attractive young lady who I think in real life there's like some scandal between Ewan McGregor and her. I think they had like an affair or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can't remember. Mary Winstead, Mary something, Mary Mary Elizabeth know, Winstead. Mary, that might be. Um, but yeah, and then so like, uh, it, it's like, it's really interesting. It's like, uh, the story of like, you know, the one brother who's a pro officer, like their father had died and like, uh, there was like a, a stamp collection, like this really like bitchin' like, uh, you know, Chevy, uh, Camaro. Mm-hmm. And so the, or no, it was a, it was a Corvette. That's what it was. Or from Michigan, we should know these things. Right. And uh, so the guy, the guy who took the Corvette, you know, he's, he, he's a pro officer and the other guy, he like sold him, pieced out the stamp collection is just like, you know, super wealthy now. So that, you know, there's a lot of resentment and like, uh. They're trying the the parole officer brothers trying to finagle some money to a sponsor like a wedding between him and this uh, parolee and also it's uh, maybe not a wedding but they want to like uh, be professional bridge players mm-hmm. and then at the same time uh, the brother who owns the parking lot this takes place in 2010 so it was like shortly after the you know the huge recession he had like borrowed a million dollars from like this unsavory organization who just like shows up and just starts taking over his business like and they they're just like ruthless they're just like killing people left and right it's 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 really fascinating. It's a really good uh, if you ever have you know ten hours to spare or however long it is. I highly suggest uh, Fargo season three. Yeah, I've never seen any of the uh, any of the Fargo. You know the the season. I, I watched the movie. I like the movie. The movie you know is good. I, you know, like you, I'm not. It's not in my one of my top movies of all time, but I, I think it's a solid good movie. The I've heard nothing but good things about the show, and I do have Hulu, so I, I will probably check that out at some point. Yeah, you might. I mean, you don't have to go in any sort of order at all. I mean, I, I honestly think this most recent season might be the best one. The first one was. I mean, there's not a bad. I can't really compare them. You know, there's they all have like charismatic villains. There's usually like a like a female like super amazing investigator. You know, and there's in this one too. Um, and then there's you know the bad guys. Like I said, are just so fun to watch. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's a really fun. It's a it's a smart show. Like you know, we always complain, or at least I do, about like you know shows are just so dumb. Yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier today. It's kind of messed up. How, like you know, if you look at like a movie from like you know the '40s or something like that, you know, it's usually like they have an expectation that the audience is you know well read. They'll get these references. Even the Twilight Zone, like in the late '50s, early '60s, maybe it's just the early '60s. But, you know, there are references to Shakespeare and all this. You know, there was an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. which was, like, a famous short story by Ambrose Bierce, I think. Yep, that's right. But then, like, and then, you know, flash forward, you know, 60 or 50 years later, and we're watching the fucking Big Bang Theory. It's the number one show on television. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, so, I agree. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, people have gotten less intelligent. I just think that uh, Hollywood's just slowly but surely giving up on the idea that we would uh, have any, you know, appreciation for an intelligent, you know, uh, show or. But this, uh, much like a lot of the other Coen Brothers' work, uh, definitely bucks the trend. It's, it's, it's. You, you, you can't really tell what's happening at a time. There's a lot of nice, clever twists and turns. At no point do you believe there's like, you know. They're really like you know the Deus Ex Machina is really deep in there. It's it's it all it's all completely plausible and it's just it's just fun. I, I enjoy it a lot. I think part of the problem is not necessarily that Hollywood thinks we're dumber, although they probably do. But I think the writers just aren't as good either. I think that's I think see that's I, I, again, I disagree. I think they just uh, the ones that are more suited to writing these like shitty shows are just like okay yeah we need a shitty show we'll hire you. You know, I mean, actually, that's pro- you're probably right. Probably the the problem is there's so much content. So it's like, yes, there there's still the same number or around the same number of really good writers out there, but now there's ten or fifty times the amount of shows. So you know the the talent pool gets shallower and shallower the more you the more you spread it out. Yeah, there's definitely some shows even out now, like Better Call Saul is a really great show. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's. I mean, it's, I, I think in a lot of ways it's better than Breaking Bad, in, in my opinion. Yeah, nominated and for I an Breaking Emmy. Oh, I, oh, yeah, we probably should have mentioned that earlier. I, I saw the, the Emmys came out, but, I, you know, I clearly didn't pay attention. Yeah, I didn't read much about it. I just saw that Better Call Saul got nominated for drama, which, you know, obviously we, we both agree with that, it being nominated for that. And I think... Yeah, I think it's easily the best show on TV right now. Game of Thrones got 32 nominations, which set a record. So I saw that too. Yeah, I think that's like one of those, like you know, how like uh, Denzel Washington like uh, got a uh, Oscar for Training Day, and he's like, Training Day? Why'd you give me an Oscar for Training? It's more like a lifetime. Like, yeah, sorry about all the other stuff. Everybody else is kind of young in this category, so we'll we'll give you all your rewards. Yeah, it's like it's like when Whoopi Goldberg won that Oscar for Ghost. She was good in that movie, but that was that was more for the color purple and, oh, sure. and some other you know roles that she was just absolutely fantastic in that she yeah, I, didn't. I, I, I still don't understand why she's not like the, she she's like why is she why is she not like the other Mer- Meryl Streep. She's mm-hmm. an amazing actress. I don't know why she's. Not, I mean, she was in a lot of bad movies. She was in Sister Act and. The best sequel ever, t- sequel title ever, <laughs> Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that, 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 that title alone makes you think it's going to be the most, cl- the most clever movie you've ever seen. <laughs> it's not. No, it really isn't. But but yeah, she is, she's a fantastic actress, and you know, she's done some, like you said, she's done some films that I'm sure she probably, you know, wishes she didn't, but... I'm that, sure that's most of the films she's been in, because she's, she's in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. But she is absolutely fantastic, and and she should, she should be doing more, you know, dramatic work. I agree, but you know, I I guess she's doing what she wants to do. So, yeah, she'd rather talk with those yammering bitches on the View. <laughs> to she, uh, quote Norm Macdonald, she was Guinan in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, let's not talk about Star Trek. It's a terrible show as well. <laughs> But yeah, the other thing that I watched, which I'm sure you're also going to call a terrible show, was Stranger Things Season 3. So another show with a Season 3 right now. And one of the things that... So I kind of wanted to address this early on. The second season leaned really kind of heavily into uh, the... Hey, it's the 80s! You know, and let's uh, let's all dress like the Ghostbusters and... Look at this Rubik's cube, you know. 
stuff like that. But the first season... Really- hey, guys, Black Monday! <laughs> but the first season really didn't, and and this season really doesn't either. The You know, obviously it takes place in, in the 80s, and some of the plots and some of the visuals are clearly inspired by, by 80s films. Obviously, the, the, the Duffer brothers are... are big fans of films from the 80s you uh you like the 80s right mark i do yeah see uh, uh my wife actually started watching Spo- uh stranger things last tuesday mm-hmm. and she's now finished like from ep- she started watching with episode two of season one and she's watched all of them you know why she uh started uh episode two why because she came home and i was watch i was watching it i was i i like, much like I say with Marvel movies, people think, or Star Wars, people think I've never seen these and I'm just shitting on them for no reason. Mm-hmm. No, I've seen them. I just think they're really bad. <laughs> like, I mean, Stranger, like the Stranger Things, like the first episode, like, uh, I mean, I've seen some 80s movies. You know, I've seen Gremlins, obviously, since we referenced that earlier. But, um, mm-hmm. like, just the very, I mean, it's just, I know you said there's not a lot of 80s, but I mean, the, the whole, like, Everything about it is is like even the cinematography and like the the shots they take and even uh-huh. like certain things they say. The very first episode of the first season is like, oh my god, this is it's just a bunch of eighties references, like you know, videoed. <laughs> yeah, so if the, you say this, if you say the second one is even worse than that, I can't even imagine what that's. It, it is the second season's a lot worse. The first episode is pretty heavy with the references, but it, it gets it gets easier. It's more it's the What's good about the series, in my opinion, is the acting of the kids. I think the kids are are really good actors, and yeah, they are. But I hate child actors, so that's kind of a negative on my point. Like, especially if they're really good child actors, I hate them even more. <laughs> I like kids riding their bike and swearing, <laughs> like like we did in the eighties. Like like yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a lot of it is inspired by that, by its uh, different things from Stephen King. The font of Stranger Things is very rep- reminiscent of the oh, font yeah, they use sure. in Stephen King books. Yeah, it's it's almost the exact as the stand, I think. Yeah, and like you point out, the cinematography and a lot of the style is clearly uh, the '80s, and that's clearly on purpose. the The score too, the music that that they use, it is clearly '80s inspired. Yeah. And I just want to point out that what I, what I hate, why I hate child actors, I just know there's like some completely like piece of shit kid who like is not having a childhood. You know, like the better you are, like you know, there's probably like some crazy parent in the background. It's just oh, the whole thing just disgusts me. Is really what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that for the most part. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure it's not like that 100. percent I know Neil Patrick Harris. He said his parents were really not like that at all, and he seems like he turned out to be you know really well adjusted and you know he's he just seems like a really decent person so i'm sure there's exceptions but i mean like uh is her name thora birch she was in um the movie uh what was she in american beauty and the dungeons and dragons movie and nothing else <laughs> yeah yeah i know who you're talking about thora birch yeah that's that's who she is you know her her father was uh he started a movie himself uh the movie is called deep throat Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I think that's his stage name. So his daughter's stage name, unless that's his real name, is the same. His name is Jack Birch. I mean, she has the same last name. I don't know if he would use his real name in there. That'd be kind of weird. But And, like, supposedly he was, like, always, like, you know, really just a creep on set. Like, and when his daughter, like, was nude on some movie, he was, like, there and, like, you know, encouraging it. And just, like, I can't imagine she's, you know, like, you'd want to see her. And like, yeah, good for her. Because, you know, it's, like, some fucking psycho in the background. Jesus Christ. 
exists. And have you ever seen the movie, uh, the movie Bruno, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie? Yes. Yeah, like at the beginning with all the the child like baby models, and he's like, "Oh, is your child comfortable with heavy machinery?" And the parents are like, "Oh yeah, he loves it." <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely what it's like. Oh yeah, my I mean, god, that's just how. That's just. I'm sorry. Obviously, that's a tangent, but that's why I hate child actors. Her parents are Jack Birch and uh, Carol Connors, both of whom were adult film stars. Well, one cancels the other out. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so, yeah, that's she. She was in. She Carol Connors was in Deep Throat, apparently, as well. She had the Deep Throat and the Erotic Adventures of Candy in 1978. So, if you want to see Thora Birch's mom naked, you can do that. If you want to see Thora Birch conceived, maybe it happens in Deep Throat. Yeah. But I think she's a little older. I think she's younger than that. She was born in 1982. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that came out. In the, sometime in the seventies, I just I don't remember when. Sometime before we were born, nineteen seven. Well, just as early seventies, so I don't That's know. Fair. But anyway, so season three of Stranger Things, I, I I liked this season a lot. I thought it was I thought it was as good as season one, and, and maybe better in some degrees. There are some there are some interesting plot points to this, but basically the story of it. Is, yeah, feel free to go full spoiler. I don't think anyone has any other expectations. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen all of season three yet, uh, burn your your phone or whatever. And then come buy a new phone and then come back to us later. By the time you've bought a new phone, you should have finished uh, the Stranger Things. And uh, this podcast will probably be over anyway. So, uh, but the basically it starts with They've all been gone with each from the summer, or not all of them, but the one kid, Dustin, the one that's missing bones, and he's missing bones in real life. He's got some sort of disease where he's missing bones. They didn't pull him out for the movie. <laughs> yeah, the producers said, "Hey, you know, we kind of good him, news, good news and bad news." Yeah, we kind of want him to not have collarbones or his two front teeth. Do you think that uh, he'd miss them? Oh no, no, he's they're always getting in the way. His mom just pulls players out of his pocket, her pocket. <laughs> yeah, I thought this might happen. But anyway, so he comes back from camp where he met a girl. And a lot of this is about growing up. A lot of this, I mean, the whole show is. But a lot of this season is about that awkward stage in puberty where you start to notice girls and you you start, you stop playing with, you know, toys and things like that. Or you stop playing Dungeons and Dragons like they do in the in the show, and um, you find something completely different to play with. Yeah, exactly. And how some people move a lot faster in that than other people, and and kind of friendships can be can be fractured because of that. And there's a lot of homosexuality in this season too. It's heavily implied that one of the kids is gay, and then there's a lesbian in another another one of those weird, stupid things where it's like, hey, if they just had a uh, uh, conversation with each other, then all this could have been avoided. But, and it's, it's just, it's weird. But anyway, so the basic story of it is that he comes back and they all kind of, you know, hang out. He's, while he's been at science camp, he's made this giant antenna that can broadcast all over the world, apparently. And the, the girl that he met there, who he says is brilliant and prettier than Phoebe Cates. She lives in Utah. 
Oh, that's fucking bullshit. You know, all the pretty women they have in Utah. <laughs> yeah. No offense to any of our listeners in Utah, but your women are dogs. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no. I'm I took offense at that. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just joking. I have I've I've been to Utah a few times. He's um, just he's just kidding. Some of them aren't. Yeah, some of them are not. But anyway, so he she he doesn't get her right away, but he starts hearing this Russian transmission. So he thinks it's Russian spies and he starts writing things down and he, he's got a tape of it of them talking. And it turns out he's right, they are Russian spies. <laughs> because it's an eighties, you know, period piece. So the Russians are the bad guys in in this season. And I'm like now. Right. <laughs> and there's there's this subplot with the mom played by Winona Ryder who her magnets start falling off the fridge and she doesn't know why. And she thinks it has to do with the, the Institute that was responsible for things in both season one and season two, even though it's been torn down and she starts trying to investigate this hopper who is David Harbor, who we tried to get on the show, who completely ignored everything that we said to him, which is probably much like audiences ignored uh, Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, uh, he helps her out because he's kind of in love with her and she's still upset over her boyfriend from the last season, Bob, played by Sean Astin of the Goonies fame, who got oh, nice. who got killed. You know, it's funny. I noticed that this season, basically every every special guest or whatever for the season that they've brought on has been someone that has been that was popular in the 80s, either in movies or TV shows. In the first season, it was Matthew Modine. Yeah, I, I was saying he was say he was in the first episode. I might I might try it again, but it's just it's it's very it's annoying to me how like derivative it is. Yeah, well, because of some of the nostalgia stuff, and I know your your tolerance for that's super low. You might never I, really I, get into it. I don't care for nostalgia at all. But uh, yeah, so it was Matthew Modine in the first season. In the second season, it was Sean Astin from The Goonies and John Astin's son Gomez from The Adams Family. Nice. Have you ever seen uh, that Matthew Modine movie, Spirit Quest? Yes. I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun. Uh, and then this season, it's Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride. Oh, nice. He plays the mayor. So. So he dies. <laughs> So anyway, uh, what happens is is there are Russians in a mall. They're, they're, they've bought the mall, and they bought a bunch of land around the mall, and they're using some sort of superconductor or something like that because they're trying to open a dimensional rift that we learn about in the first season of Stranger Things, and that was supposedly closed in season two, and they're trying to reopen it because they want the secrets that lie within, I guess. I don't know. The U.S. government was doing it in the first two seasons. Now it's the Russians are trying to do it in this season. Yeah, so as usual, Russia's far behind us. Yeah, exactly. See, I find this premise uh, very unbelievable, not because they tear open a dimension, but because the Russians never had any money. They would never have the money to buy a fucking shopping mall. Yeah, and the, the, the other thing is... It's just, I don't know, there's so much that's unbelievable about it as far as, you know, if you really, you have to really suspend your disbelief because they have basically an entire army that that's existing in the United States. And one of the guys that they have working for, for them, it looks like the Terminator. I mean, he's basically the Terminator. 
He's got, he's dressed a little bit like him from the first Terminator movie. And he's this big, you know, Russian sounding dude that seems unstoppable and beats the shit out of people. Now he's not an actual cyborg, but it's clear that's what they're going for. The other thing in this season that it's clear they're, they're doing sort of a parody or not a parody necessarily, but like a, an homage to is uh, both aliens and invasion of the body snatchers. The big creature that's the, the main villain in this season has this, thing inside of its mouth that comes out and gloms onto people's faces which looks a lot like the alien proboscis or whatever you call it and face hugger. yeah the yeah well it doesn't necessarily look like the face hugger but it looks it's sort of i guess it's kind of a combination between that little tiny mouth that the alien has inside its gotcha. mouth uh with i like, with the, the I like how they call attached. I thought they call them face huggers when it's clearly not hugging your face to put <laughs> eggs in your belly yeah no kidding uh yeah that's it's definitely a face fucker guys come on (laughs) but anyway so there's there's that and then these different people basically get turned into what do you want to call it um disciples of this of this monster and they're you know that's the invasion of the body snatchers parts like you don't know who you don't know who's been turned and, and who hasn't and what it's doing is, I guess it's trying to gain enough power to take over the world or whatever. Its motivations are not real clear, but it is just a giant monster. So I guess that's fine. But anyway, so there's that plot and all the different storylines kind of converge at, at the end to that plot. So there's Dustin with, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was, oh, Mike. Yeah, Dustin and Mike and the girl that he works with at the ice cream parlor who he starts falling for. And it turns out that she's a lesbian. There's this one, he starts kind of describing what his perfect girl is. And it's, you know, her down to her, her, you know, shoes basically. And she's like, Oh, you know, sorry. And she, earlier she had told herself that she, or she had told him that she used to stare at him and she was like obsessed with him in high school. So, you know, Obviously, he kind of got the the idea that she was into him, and he started falling for her. And then when he says that, she's like, oh, Mike, the reason I was obsessed with you in high school was because this one girl liked you all the time, and she was always staring at you. And I always wondered, you know, wh- why would a girl like that want to be with a guy like you and everything? So it was because I liked her. And he's like... What, what do you mean, though? She's a girl. What do you mean you liked her? And she's like, yeah, exactly. And, and then and then he takes him in. He's like, oh, you know, kind of it's it's one of those situations. So it's fine, you know, to have a lesbian character. But the way that they go about it, I think, is really kind of dumb. It's just like at the beginning, yeah. she should have just been like, yeah, you know, I was I was I was obsessed with you for this reason. She should have just had a conversation with him right off the bat instead of making it sound like she likes him. Right. Or she would have been like, "Man, my neck is real sore. <laughs> my tongue is tired. I don't know why." Want to go out? But what do you think? But anyway, so she um oh, I had another joke. I'm not going to use it. Um uh, she so she her Mike and Dustin are a team with one of the kids' little sisters. I can't remember all their their names off the top of my head, 
but they're they're a really cool team. Like I, I like that pairing. I like the dynamics between them, and they're the ones that kind of decode the Russian thing. And they discover that they've taken over the mall, and they don't know what they're doing, but they know they're doing something, and they end up infiltrating their headquarters. So at the same time, Hopper and Winona Ryder's character, they are you know being chased by this Russian, and they get this Russian scientist you know, who kind of knows what's going on. So they get some information there. And then the other kids, Mike and Eleven and the other two, they they realize that something's going on because Eleven does with um, Max's older brother, Billy. That's his name. Because he's been the first one that's been turned by this monster, which they call the Mind Flayer. So they're trying to figure out what's going on with Billy, and Eleven's using her powers to try to find him and, and everything. So all these plots, they, they end up coming together in the in the final episode where they, they reunite. But I like the mist—there's somewhat of a mystery aspect to it. I like that. I like the different pairings that go on, although I think Nancy and her boyfriend— they're kind of played out. I mean, maybe we just need to get rid of those characters, honestly. But they, uh, so they all they all get there, and basically what it turns out is the Russians are trying to open this gate, like I said, because they know the Americans did it once before. Reasons unknown, I guess, for for warfare, I guess, for weapons. They think that they can use these things for weapons or, or something like that. And so that's what they're trying to do. And they all, you know, basically try to stop them because the fact that they're opening this thing up is what awakened this monster that was still in their world. It didn't have a chance to get put back there. I I enjoyed it, though. I liked it a lot. I liked, like I said, I liked a lot of the pairings. I liked some of the mystery elements of it. I I thought it was well-paced. I thought it was, you know, exciting. It definitely a satisfying third season of, of the show. Um... And they're definitely going to do one more. That I th- it hasn't been renewed yet, but that's it's clear that it's not closed. The story's not closed, and the creator said that their plan was always to do four four seasons and then you know not do any more. I feel that people just make that shit up at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, good for them if they're gonna if they still have ideas and they stop. Like mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, Good Omens isn't going to have any more seasons because that was like a perfect. Season. Oh, yeah. And that's one where it's like it could be open for a sequel, too. Oh, for sure. But it's always that's always bullshit. I'm like, oh, it was supposed to be a sequel the whole, or a trilogy the whole time. It's like, no, it, it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, since you, so I wonder if the uh, the even numbers of the seasons will be the ones that lean heavily into the 80s. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Just like, oh, no, I can't. My sister has HIV. <laughs> just, just all the dark parts. Like, hey, where'd your cousin? Oh, he went to Tiananmen Square. Oh my gosh! Hey, uh, how come? Uh, how come your brother's not here? Oh, he was on a subway car with Bernie Gats. Yeah. The other kid's like, not only did I just uh, finally come out of the closet, but I also got to get busy with Freddie Mercury. <laughs> because you know, get busy is a very '80s term. Yeah. Plus, you know, uh, that would explain why he got AIDS. <laughs> Oh, it's a different character. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good to know that it's it's a different one. 
Wouldn't it be funny if, like, on Stranger Things, they started watching a show that was, like, about, like, the 50s? Mm-hmm. Like, you know how they do that? Like, how, like, uh, it's always, like, a 20-year period. Like, in the, um, in the 70s, they had Happy Days, which was, like, set in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Then the '90s, they had that '70s show, you know, which right. obviously you set in the '70s. So I mean, I think we're about we're we're about a '90s era now. I think so. I'm looking forward to that. Whoever's going to come up with a '90s, show. although it's almost it's almost too late. You got to hurry up because we're going to be in the uh, 2000s soon. Yeah, to that. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Wow, what a memory. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, when when are we going to get? Uh, that's why I want to. When are we going to get the Y2K stuff? Yeah, I don't really even know what that would be. I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem like a very fun era. No, I think the nine eleven comes pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right, though. I think we're. I think we're due for a '90s revival show, but it does have to be pretty quick. Yeah, I and mean, like, oh man, did you hear about that congressman Gary Condit? I can't imagine anything worse happening than that. <laughs> oh. Gary Condit, of course, made the one person who was really happy about nine eleven. Yeah. No. <laughs> Oh, man. Well. Well, I have a question for you, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you plan on? Do you have any plans to watch anything next week? Um, I don't have. I mean, I might, I'm might. i probably going to watch Fargo, honestly, based on your recommendation. That's cool. But I don't, yeah, have, gonna... I don't have anything really planned out for next week. I'm going to just kind of see what's out there and figure it out. Um, coming out on Friday, I think, is uh, do you ever watch uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? Yeah, I've watched that before. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I, it's the new season's coming out, and it's got some guests I'm looking forward to. I really enjoy that show. It's uh, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a fan of Seinfeld. I'm not even a big fan of Jerry Seinfeld. His, you know, as he is on the show, comedians. Uh, no, I, that happens a lot. There's a lot of people that I don't really care for that I'll just listen to them. Like you know, like Mark Maron, I don't care for him anyway, but he's a really good interviewer. So yeah, I'll listen to his show, and he gets a lot of good information. Like Jerry Seinfeld too. I like that mm-hmm. he talks about comedy and the theory of comedy, and that stuff is just kind of interesting to me. So. And also, another part I like is that he tries to pair, like, the car with a person's personality. Just the idea of that, to me, is just fun. Like, it's yeah. kind of neat to think that there's, like, oh, there's a perfect car for my person. I mean, it's like a, you know, like a Zodiac thing. It's some, you know, I'm sure there's no validity to it, but it's still fun. For a second, I thought you meant the movie, the Zodiac, as if, as if uh, Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld was just, like, we we learn years later somehow that, uh, oh, yeah, Bill. Bill Burr and and all these people that were on uh, comedians and cars getting coffee, they all, they all died like five years later, like five <laughs> hey, years Seinf- to the day after being on the show. When he was like fifteen, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was a Zodiac killer. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be great. But uh, yeah, I'll probably watch that because I I do enjoy that show as well. I'm probably a little bit bigger of a Seinfeld fan than you are. Although I've never, oh, oh, I've never been a huge, sure. I've never been a huge fan of his standup to be honest. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I know you like his show, but I don't think his show's that funny either. Like, I mean, there's moments, but I mean, it's something I just kind of look at and like, yeah, whatever. I've seen a lot of episodes cause my wife, you know, for a while I was watching it pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one time we played like, uh, you, her, her mom and I played seen it. It was a Seinfeld edition. Oh, we did. Yeah. I just knew nothing about the show and I was just getting crushed. And I was just so angry. <laughs> One of the funniest things in the world is to see you getting slowly angrier and angrier. 
I don't know why, but I just, I, you know what? I told this story the other day to my wife. Actually, I never told, I never told her this story before. But one of the funniest moments that the two of us ever had together was when we went to one of the times we went to the casino in Windsor. I already know where we're gonna go with this. And we stopped at Burger King on the way back, and they love putting mayonnaise. On their sandwiches, obviously, as we learned in the whole nine yards, but it's actually true. And Mike, for those they listeners, it. yeah, for those listeners out there that don't know, absolutely hates and is disgusted by mayonnaise. So, like, I, I, I almost throw up when I see it. Like, I, uh, I, just thinking about it, I could probably vomit if I wanted to. So he he ordered a sandwich with no mayonnaise, and as we're pulling up the. T- we're pulling out of the parking lot. Mike opens the thing, and the, the the rapidness with which you said this was the funniest part about it. He opens the sandwich and he says, "I think there's mayonnaise on this, and there is, and I'm not eating this." It looked like uh, it looked like it was pouring out of the uh, the bun itself. That's how much fucking mayonnaise is on this guy. Dude. I think we chucked it at the side of the Burger King. Yeah, I said it. No, we were already by the tunnel. Because I don't know why it took that long. So I, I just decided to donate it back to Canada. I threw it at the uh, exchange center. Yeah. The duty-free. That's right. We're at the duty-free shop. Oh, but yeah. Oh, that was great. I'm getting angry just thinking about this right now. <laughs> oh, well, that is our episode for the week. Uh, as always, follow us on Massive Late Fee, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, all all that stuff. Be in our top eight or whatever. I don't know. Pre- oh yeah, we are MySpace. I need to check on that. Instagram too. I uh, I put stuff on the gram sometimes. Again, we praise the Dutch yep. for being the uh, the wall of uh, security. Yep, the Dutch are our favorite listeners, and uh, yeah, check out the gram. The, the gram of cocaine that we have for sale. Jeez. But also Instagram. I wonder how much that would be. I don't know. We we just got the one, though. Huh. So, oh, you know, first first come, first serve. Like If they, someone wins, I can go steal some from my neighbor. Yeah, that's the prize. The prize is, a, is the gram of cocaine. So figure out that movie and, and you win. Uh, all right. So that is our show. We will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.